Hello and welcome to the Nerds Who Haunt Themselves podcast. I'm Stuart Moraine. Uh, this is just a little mini introduction because the bulk of this podcast is going to be made up of panel borders recording of the Big Punch Studio panel from True Believers 2015. Because it's a mini episode, I've got a little mini co-host with me. Uh, are you going to say your name? Yeah. What's your name? Uh, Daniel. Daniel. How old are you? Are you... 20? Yeah. No, you're not. You're three, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Do you like comic books? Yeah. Who's your favourite superhero? Iron Man and Superman. Iron Man and Superman. That is cool. Who would you like to dress up as? What's your favourite superhero costume that you wear? Iron Man and Superman. Iron Man and Superman. You're cool. We got cool pictures of you holding up a car, haven't we? When you were Superman? Or Super Dan? Yeah, you've gone quiet now. Should I carry on talking? Alright. Should I talk about True Believers? Yeah. Okay. This podcast, like I say, the bulk of it is going to be the Big Punch Studios panel that happened at True Believers 2015, uh, in which they talked about them. Uh, Big Punch magazine and all the other things and how they came together as a creative team Uh, well worth a listen if you were there and you want to just want to refresh your memory of what it was awesome for that or if you missed it on the day because god knows I missed all the panels on the day apart from the one I was sitting on Um, it's a great chance to uh, recap or uh, catch up on what you missed out on Uh, because you know there's a lot goes on at panels if, however, you don't want to miss any panels at True Believers 2016, you need to head on over to our website at oktruebelievers.com and you can buy your tickets from there. And we've got a great selection of panels lined up already. Uh, some we've announced, some we haven't yet. Um, first up again, we've got the return of the Celebrate Cosplay panel. Uh, this time it's behind the mask developing cosplay. And it's all about how you choose the character that's right for you, uh, how you make your costume, whether you can buy your costume or make your costume. Um, and we'll have some of our cosplay guests there and they'll talk to you about I how they... And don't your Halloween costume as well. And don't forget your Halloween costume as well. It's all cosplay. Who did you dress up as for Halloween? A vampire. A vampire! Were you scary? Yeah. Did you scare Daddy? No. No? Are you sure? I think I found you pretty scary. But anyway... There will be some of our guests, uh, cosplay guests on the day. We'll be uh, talking about how you know they select their costumes. And that it's great whether you're an experienced cosplayer or you're new to it, and you know you can put questions to them and you can have a general open discussion because that's what celebrate cosplay is. It's all about celebrating cosplay. Then also on the day, we've got uh, far more than just a Time Lord, which is our Doctor Who panel, uh, which is about Doctor Who in comics and you know obviously it's going to stray into the tv and that but we got some great names from the uh doctor who comics we've got paul cornell who wrote the uh david tennant two-parter uh family of blood and human nature or human nature and family of blood um as well as scream of the shackler and he's done lots of other stuff uh doctor who novels he's written a lot of the comics his current titan comics at the moment he's doing some work on uh, we've got Emma Vicelli as well, who's done a lot on the Titan book, um, who's doing the 8th Doctor miniseries that's out now at the time of listening to this. Uh, it came out yesterday at the time of recording, which was the 4th of November, so hot off the presses, you can still get that. We've got Mike Collins, who's done a lot 
with Doctor Who in the comics over the years. He's also the storyboard artist on the current series. And we've got uh, Rachel Smith, who does the Doctor Who funny strips that are in the Titan comics as well. And uh, well worth checking out. And that, like I say, they'll be talking about Doctor Who in the comics, Doctor Who on TV, books, just generally all things Doctor Who. So if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's a great podcast uh, panel to come along to. Uh, and that one will be moderated by Joy Amy Wigman, who's a uh, bit of a Whovian as well. So it should be good. Uh, we've also got the uh, amazing story of Spider-Man on BBC Radio, which, if, like me, you're around in the uh, early to mid-90s, um, you were familiar with the work Dirk, Dirk Mags did on BBC Radio and bringing superheroes like Superman, Batman... Uh, obviously Spider-Man for this one and Judge Dredd to the radio and you know creating movies in your mind with uh, audio and fantastic stuff you can probably find them on YouTube or you can buy them on the CD they're getting re-released just before True Believers happens uh, Amazing Spider-Man unfortunately is no longer available but I'm sure if you look around on the internet you can find it somewhere um, and then just give Dirk some money on the day so close your conscience about listening to pirate pirated copies or anything like that but anyway, Amazing Spider-Man was something that they did. He and Tim Quinn, who was editor at Marvel UK at the time, uh, put together this Spider-Man series. Um, it was fantastic. The story behind how they did it without actually telling Marvel they were doing it. Uh, really fascinating story. Really funny story as well. And that panel will have both Dirk Mags and Tim Quinn on it. And I myself will be moderating it. Uh, if all goes to plan, we'll hopefully have something special to announce at the end of that podcast as well. So, he's gone and he's screaming. He's very excited for the Spider-Man panel. Um, again, all very exciting. Uh, we've also got a couple more panels to announce um, along the way, which will also be the return of the Discover Something New panel. And uh, the Comics' Education panel will be back as well. And we'll be announcing that over time. Uh, we also have Comics in Just a Minute, which is... A comic book version of the Just a Minute radio series, in which uh, the contestants on it are given a minute or so, a minute to talk about a particular uh, comic book topic without repetition, deviation, or anything like that. Uh, at the moment, uh, Sonia Long is the reigning champion. She was um, defending her title that she's had two years running at Melksham Comic Con. Um, we got more people to announce as to who's challenging her. One of the challengers will be Paul Cornell, though. Uh, so that should be a good, fun show to end the day on. And uh, like I say, we'll have some other panels to announce soon enough. Uh, also on the day, Celebrate Cosplay Hall is back. We've got the Cosplay Catwalk. Uh, we're going to have workshops. We're going to have tabletop gaming this year as well, which I know a lot of people were keen for last time. Uh, that's going to be up on the balcony. We've got all the tables are sold out. Uh, it's going to be huge, it's going to be great, and we really need your support. This is your event, it's something we can't do without you, so you're showing your support by buying your tickets, lets the people that are coming know that you want them there, that Cheltenham is a viable place for a comic convention, and it just keeps the whole thing alive, it helps us make it bigger and better, and bring you the things you want from a Comic Con. So yeah, please spread the word, buy your tickets. Um, we also have a the first ever True Believers Christmas Comic Fair, which will be at Smoky Joe's in Cheltenham on Sunday the 29th of November. Uh, it starts at 11am. It's free to get in. It's 11 till 4. It's basically 
a small mini taste version taster version of True Believers Comic Festival. There'll be people with tables selling comic books and their own created work. Uh, there'll be a little bit of cosplay going on. We'll be there with tickets to sell and mugs and all that stuff. Peddling our way. So, you know, come along, speak to the guys, buy some stuff, buy some stuff from us. Talk to us about nerdy stuff. We love it. Um, that's it pretty much True Believers wise to be going on with. Uh, watch Super Bob. It's an amazing film. Possibly my film of the year. Uh, great UK independent film. Uh, Want to get that out there now. Um, fantastically funny. Does a better job of understanding Superman than all of Man of Steel did. And um, definitely well worth a look. You can pick it up. It's like seven ninety nine in H and V. It's probably the same price or cheaper on Amazon. Well worth buying, and um, or you know streaming whatever it is you kids do these days. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I say, the main body of this is the panel recorded by Panel Borders, so check out the Panel Borders website. Um, also, speaking of Rachel Smith a minute ago, her new webcomic series, Bess, has just launched. If you go on to OKTrueBelievers.com, there's a link on the homepage there. Um, and we'll hopefully have an interview coming up soon that I conducted with Rachel about it, uh, which will, again, be on our website. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for us. Um, like I say, enjoy the panel. If you don't want to miss out on any True Believers 2016 panels, make sure you buy your tickets now. It's £10 for adults, £5 for children, which is aged 4 to 14, kids under 4 get in for free, and a family ticket is £25. Uh, free parking at the venue, uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, to make it worthwhile, it's a great day out. Um, hope we can have some stuff going on for the kids as well. So bring the kids, you know, get the next generation of comic book fans going. And uh, I've got another child loitering around me now. They're both mine. I'm not randomly doing this in a kid's school or anything. You alright? You've got a mouthful of Trump or whatever it is, haven't you? Yeah, you can't talk, can you? I can. Oh, he can talk. Who are you? Jack Moraine. Jack Moraine. We're going to Tesco's today to get one of Oreos. <laughs> That's awfully presumptuous of you. My dad said. Oh, see, well now you put it out there on a podcast, I've got to do it. Um, yeah, so anyway, enjoy the panel. Like I say, big thanks to Panel Borders for uh, recording it for us. Check out their website. they got a lot of other stuff on there, a lot of panels and interviews with people who work within the comic industry, creators, that sort of thing. So worth checking out. And check out Big Punch Studios as well. You can find them, easy Google search, just Big Punch Studios on Facebook or Google, and they'll come up. Subscribe to Big Punch Magazine. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We will be back with a proper Nerds Who Haunt Themselves podcast. I apologise for there not being one since end of August, beginning of September. But True Believer's schedule been keeping us busy, and Andy's been busy doing... Well, basically, I'm dumping a load of True Believer's design stuff on his IM Zoo desk uh, which he's getting designed uh, he's amazing at it check out his IMZ page on Facebook and uh, yeah we will hope to be back soon with either me and Andy or me Andy and Joy Amy or me and Joy Amy or somebody and um, yeah I will hopefully be uh, speaking to you again soon sorry for the long and boring intro but here comes the good stuff cheers bye this program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM if you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.
You're listening to the Panel Borders Clear Spot on Resonance 104.4 FM. Coming up next is my interview with a quartet of Gloucestershire-based comic book creators who together form Big Punch Studios. This interview was recorded in front of a live audience at the Cheltenham True Believers Comic Book Festival and we'll be covering the various graphic novels published by Big Punch Studios as well as their new anthology, Big Punch Magazine. We're at the True Believers Comic Con and third panel of the day is looking at Big Punch Studios, a new collaboration between John Locke and Nick Angel and Ali White <laughs> is also joining us uh, on the panel. Yeah, there's a slight um, Big Punch Studios incorporates our work but it's actually like four people collectively there's Lucy who's hiding at the back and uh, technical support doing her best not to have attention drawn to her <laughs> and uh, yeah and I mean obviously you make Seven String I, I make the comic after I think and we came together to work on this but in doing so we roped in a, a few more suckers so we have uh, <laughs> uh, we have Ali and Lucy and uh, some friends of the comic like uh, James State who's in the audience He's waiting, uh, and we'll be showing off some of his artwork among, uh, along with some other stuff as well. But cool. So to deconstruct that sentence, yeah, uh, <laughs> paragraph. Yeah. The the pair of you were both doing web comics, and the first time you collaborated together was on the uh, seventh string. Uh, k- kind of, kind of. Um, basically, um, we have some visual aids, but <laughs> Nick, uh, yes, Nick was making a comic called Seven String. Mm-hmm. I was making a comic called After, I think. Um, we started chatting, we became friends, and then from that we kind of had like a shared vision or purpose for comics, and we started chatting and, you know, became friends, and then started working together in a, in a loose sense, because we did a crossover between our books called The Heavenly Chord. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, thank That's you. That's all I have to add. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that was um, the completed graphic novel of The Heavenly Chord came out last year, mm-hmm. the uh, end of the year, actually, That's November. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and so we had this kind of loose partnership, which we mm. referred to as Big Punch Studios. Yeah, it was but, sort of, yeah, back, back at that point, it was kind of more jokey than anything else, I think. It was, it was sort of like, we came together to do the Heavenly Chord, which, again, also started as a joke. Uh, we were just talking on Twitter, and, and I'm, I'm sure everyone, everyone here has seen uh, the end of, what is it, the end of... Um, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, that's the one, uh, where the hammer is, of course, found um, in the post credit sequence, Thor's hammer. Spoilers. Uh, sorry if I've just ruined that for everyone. Um, and we were like, how cool would it be if the seven string, from seven string, the sword, legendary guitar sword, was found on uh, the, the world of Afton, I think. And, and we just thought, oh, that'd be so great and so funny. And then we're like, well, actually, we could do that. Like, what's, what's actually stopping us from doing a stupidly overambitious crossover? And, um, you know, the laughter died. Yeah, and the and drawing wasn't. started, and my <laughs> yes. wrists broke, and that was that. But no, and, and so it, it grew out of something so stupid. Yeah. And, and, and that's, if anything, where everything's kind of started. Is this yeah, stupidity is really at the core of everything, yeah. everything we do. Um, but yeah, so this went from like a very loose collaboration to saying, you know, we worked together, you know, we obviously we were friends, and um, obviously Ali and Lucy were part of that friendship and creative process as well. And yeah, certainly we've now taken it to another step. So... We fully merged forces, and now we are Big Punch Studios, kind of capital letters, you know, yeah. business purposes. And we are, we started to think, what could we do, the four of us? How could we take this beyond Afterlife Thinking Seven String, mm. which, you know, began life completely independently. And, you know, I mean, one is about a con artist who takes over the afterlife. The other's about a world where people fight with guitar swords and guitar swords. Like, they're, yeah. pretty, they're pretty different. We couldn't think yeah. of, like, a, yeah, they don't obviously lend themselves to a crossover. No, not at all. But we, <laughs> in, unintentionally, we kind of 
proved that there is, there is a link between our, our universes, these two separate books, and <laughs> without really intending to, we started to build a multiverse. We mm. started to build something which was normally the sole preserve of Marvel and DC and, and the larger companies. And it's weird just the thrill that that kind of thing gives where you have two different properties that meet that shouldn't be together. I know, I know. That's, that, yeah, there's something incredibly exciting about just a crossover, just the concept mm. of a crossover. And I was so precious of my work before mm. uh, I, coll- I collaborated with John. It was like, I draw seven string, I write seven string. No one else touches seven string. If they do, I break your <laughs> legs sort of thing. And, and then, you know, and then when, when we sort of talked about the idea of a, of a crossover, I was like... Um, that's actually that's actually really cool, and it makes it makes both of them so much bigger than than what they were on their own. And I think that's what's so exciting is that now Zach is Zach, the, the hero of Seven String, is now all the more real because he's gone somewhere else, <laughs> and and vice versa. I think, and and yeah, there, there's some thrill, geeky geeky thrill about a crossover. <laughs> so so from that kind of spark of wanting to do a crossover, and also wanting to make and tell the kind of comics and stories we'd grown up reading. Uh, you know, we love the language of comics. We love the sheer, I guess, glorious stupidity of a crossover, that kind of thing. It just, it could only happen in comics and we wanted to capture some of that magic, uh, yeah. which I guess leads us to really, you know, the purpose of, of, of everything, a uh, Big Punch magazine, which is our brand new, brand new venture. Mm-hmm. Um, the website went live last night and we are offering, uh, we are producing now together, and this is the four of us now and poor Ali, I'm, I, I just, talking so much and you know we are all we're all in this together and uh it is we are producing a new quarterly magazine 46 pages full color we're going to do a spring summer autumn and winter issue each year and we've set up a subscription service we're trying to do something a bit different something going beyond the standard kind of convention model selling your books across tables and yeah we we will mail this brand new this this hopefully quite amazing comic suit straight to people's doors four times a year mm-hmm what sort of format is it? American size or British magazine size? A4, full kind of okay. American, uh, yeah. oh, no, not American, British, British style, yeah. <laughs> magazine, glossy, you know, the, the really embracing the magazine side of things, like, mm. but a comics magazine. And what sort of age group? We, we're, the way we're, we're sort of calling it is 11 and upwards, okay. 11 to infinite kind of thing. So Yeah, there's nothing, isn't it? There's, there's, not, there's, there's everything that we do will be, you know, there'll be, no, there'll, be, there'll be nothing that is inappropriate for anyone. The only issue would be that our stories would have an element of complexity that would maybe be beyond anyone under the age of 11. But that said, there'll be titles in there that, that, that are suitable for younger readers as well. Um, and the idea is we really want to hit as many marks as we can. We've got a lot of different, we, we love comics generally like across the whole board, and we've got a lot of love for lots of very different kinds of stories. So the, the beauty of BPM, ideally, is that we, we're covering a lot of those bases that's the thing. BPM I like it because <laughs> um, um, the reason I ask is just that apart from the Phoenix uh, there aren't really any other kids comics out there that aren't based on licensed properties because 2000 AD is skewed older and older and yeah, older it's that's true on, that is know. very true yeah. It's, yeah it's very yeah it's very strange and it feels in a way like we've come full circle because mm. um, a comic that changed my life as a child was the now defunct Sonic the comic which <laughs> was you know, a licensed comic about Sonic the Hedgehog of all things, but the creators had free reign to go and do whatever stupid and I keep saying stupid tonight. It's uh, today. It is stupid. It's all yeah, stupid. really crazy stuff. They <laughs> they had a lot of free license and without even realizing it, kind of subconsciously ended up mimicking the model of Sonic the comic. It was something that the two of you have always been referred to as by all sorts of people is thinking Hacks. big in small press. Mm. And I don't think we ever want to stop thinking big. No. And hence big punch. You know, we really are hitting <laughs> we are people hard with punching a big above our weight. punch of comics. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we thought 
we don't want to get into we don't want to be in Marvel or DC we want to be Marvel or DC yeah. you know we want to be the next why not That's you know exactly they all right. had to start somewhere yeah. and why not be the masters of our own destiny and sort of make our own awesome comic That's exactly so I was just going to say, Ali, as you've joined the conversation, if <laughs> yeah. you could talk about uh, the kind of uh, comics work that you've done for Big Punch. Well, I mean, before meeting Nick, I had no involvement in comics other than reading the Beano at the weekends. That was about <laughs> as far as it went. Um, but since being sort of thrown headfirst into this ma- amazing comic book world, um, I, I can't draw particularly well, but I can write. Mm-hmm. And uh, since being inspired by Nick and John's work, um, I have sort of dabbled a bit and I, I I was a bit scared of getting involved in something like this just because you know they're such big established names in the small business industry e- I, I was scared of you know what can I possibly offer but yeah I'm, I'm easing myself into it and um, we've collaborated on Catamarang who are making an epic return um, <laughs> Cat and, and Meringue. Indeed. Cat and Meringue. Cat and Meringue, uh, Which was a webcomic which Nick ran consecutively for a thousand days. That's correct, yes. Yeah, and I previously ran a daily comic, um, and then it sort of, I sort of brought it to an end, and, and now we're the big, the big thing for BPM is that Cat and Meringue are coming back, <laughs> but this time I am just simply the artist part of it, and Ali will be writing yeah. stories. And uh, Lucy, who's again hiding very well, um, uh, Lucy is now our in-house letterer and editor and general voice of reason, which is wonderful. And uh, again, we're putting out a lot of new comics, and you know the letterer is often you know the most unsung member of the team, and uh, it's. Hero. Yeah, exactly. But it's the amount well, of work bad lettering can ruin a comic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's a real skill and a very underappreciated one. So you know, it's amazing. Like, and Ali, you know, who, yeah, you know, didn't mention it, but Ali has amazing editorial, multi, you know, graphic multimedia design. graphic the, design. The, the design work on the logo, the artwork is something I've done, but the design work, the branding of the whole thing is all Ali's work. So literally, the construction and creation of the magazine is Ali as well. And so, what that's what's so important about us working together as a team is that we can focus on our specific roles. And although we all have a hand in some of the new stories and some of the stuff that's coming out, it's also about playing to our strengths and bringing out this cool thing every yeah. quarter. And that's why we call Blueprint Studios, because you want to branch out. I do video, quite a lot of video work, and we've got games in the making, so we're going to take as well. over the world. <laughs> yeah, because obviously we, the website's very new, and the magazine is, the first issue's coming out in March, spring 20, our spring 2015 issue, but we've also developed a card game, which we're going to be launching later in the year. And we're also going to be carrying on, of course, after I think, and Seven String as well, as these kind yeah. of bigger projects. But with Big Punch magazine, it means we'll always be, it's like a, it'll always be cracking the whip and make sure we're producing stuff. <laughs> but we have this card game called Sandwich Masters, which is coming out later in the year. And um, we're at a stage where you're just doing the art elements. Yeah. It's been, it's very stupid. It's been tested within an inch of its life. It brings, it captures all the, uh, you know, excitement, uh, love of food, uh, betrayal of lunch time basically and it's about making <laughs> time making sandwiches trying to collect points sabotaging other people's sandwiches before someone plays a health inspector card um, we have rogue ingredients you can throw into other people's sandwiches one is called a lady's silk glove which you can chuck into someone's sandwich <laughs> or like glass sprinkles yeah it gets a bit darker there actually but um it's something everyone can relate to. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Sabotaging. Fun, fun for the whole family there. Definitely. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, the pair of you come from webcomics, and yet you're really going help for leather with uh, print. Well, well that's, that is an interesting one, though, because Catamaran was a webcomic. Yeah, but actually, Seven String and Afterlife Inc. have always been very print-orientated. Oh, okay. We, I mean, John used to serialise some, some chapters of Afterlife Inc. online. Yeah, I was very much, um, I guess, shamelessly ripping off the 
Freak Angels model, which mm. is an amazing online graphic novel by Warren Ellis and Paul Duffield, who's here today and is very talented. You should go see him. <laughs> Suck up. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the first book, we put a chapter online for free every month to try and get a bit of hype. And I honestly couldn't tell you if anyone read it. Uh, but then, you know, after a year, we had enough for a book. A while ago, obviously, we did The Heavenly Chord, which was a crossover between the worlds of semi-string and afterlife, I think. And we left a couple of little hints and teasers towards the end that there might be something springing out of this. And the most direct spiritual successor to The Heavenly Chord is Cuckoos, which is going to be our flagship kind of title mm. in Big Punch magazine. Mm. And um, I'll be writing Nick's drawing. I am. So that's the kind of um, the, the classic team from The Heavenly, Heavenly Chord. Chord. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is also going to be the longest story in each issue. And this is about uh, the crew of the Reflector, mm-hmm. a multiversal vessel which travels between different universes and stories in the search of a home, all the while fleeing this kind of terrifying horror on their tails and, uh, I guess, sowing the seeds for what could be a very large plot, which may not just impact Cuckoos, but maybe have implications for the other stories as well. Indeed. I was sorry, I was a bit, bit whistle stop. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Cuckoos? No, or? I think that's good. I think you've summed it up quite well, yeah. <laughs> okay, shall I, shall I get the next slide? Yeah, <laughs> as it were. Next on the agenda for today's meeting is Orb, which, uh, this is, again, we're all bringing slightly different things to this one, but Orb is another one I'm writing, but we're bringing in the talents of Jack Tempest, who uh, is an amazing artist who sadly can't be here today, but he has he's worked on After I think, a big fan of his work, he's a lovely guy, and... Again, uh, kind of much like a lot of the stuff we're putting in BPM, they were stories we had mm. waiting in the wings, kind of like stories we really wanted to do. Definitely. But we yeah. needed like an outlet for yeah. them. That's the big thing of BPM, really, is, is this whole like, I've got lots of stories and John's got lots of stories and together we've got lots of stories that we, you know, because I, mean, I, I, I didn't make Seven String in a Vacuum. Ali, Ali had a huge hand in, in, in plot aspects of that. And we just started to realise that we were all working together on everything all the mm. time. And but we were never going to get all these things out because it takes like a year to make one graphic novel, and that, and that's the only thing I've made in that year. Mm. Um, so if I all these other stories I wanted to tell, if I was going to do that in a graphic novel way, then I just simply it would take years before any of them or all of them, as it were, were out. But if we serialize them and we all work together on it, then we can do so much more and and, and break it up into chunks. And so that that is the point of it, exactly. It's yeah. def- definitely uh, a strength in numbers kind of thing because we mm. we have these ridiculously, some would say, big ideas, you know, which we want to tell these kind of big stories. We want to tell Marvel and DC and Image-esque stories, but doing it on an indie level is hard. It, you know, takes a lot of effort, time and, and money, and, you know, by working together, we can share the load. And, exactly. And, uh, yeah. The, um, the programme for this event, uh, proudly says John Locke, uh, local creator. Um, how many of you are Gloucestershireans? Just, uh, just, and, just myself oh, and right, Lucy okay, actually, okay. yeah, and uh, half of the team, <laughs> half the team, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's very, you know, very honoured to to kind of be asked to, to come along. I mean, I think I, it makes me seem more important than I actually am, just because I have the merit of being local. You know? <laughs> so uh, no, I'm just some guy. So really, then, uh, the way that a comics creative can get together, as you guys have, is that I suppose you've all been to different cons and met people that way and formed friendships and so on and so forth. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, uh, yeah, and it's just, you know, you go, to, you go to the same shows, you know, throughout the year, you see the same people at all these events, you start chatting. When you're exhausted after a day on the floor, you, 
you go and get a pint and you put the world to rights and occasionally these weird collaborations spring out of it. And, uh, we never yeah. saw it coming. It was one of those things where I was a massive fan of Atle, I think. Oh, and, and likewise, yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I just sort of sent... <laughs> what? No, I mean... You were also the, a fan the, of The opposite of that, yeah, no. <laughs> I hate seven strings. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we just, yeah, we just realised that we had a sort of similar... Uh, sensibilities in terms of storytelling and, and and then when we got together and there were the four of us together and we realised that we were all kind of really just enthusiastic although me and John at that point were the only ones who had put work out there was a lot of you know what Lucy and Ali were doing as well and everything that we were doing and it it became not that me and John would meet up and talk about things but all four of us would always meet up and it became very clear that everyone was involved which was really cool. Mm. And it's interesting that you know technically you're small press creators but I guess the quality of printing that becomes available to people, mm. the price of printing coming down, means that you guys can bring out graphic novels that look as professional as anything you know, by the big companies. We're very, exactly. We're very yeah. lucky. We are, yeah. I, I remember my first, my first ever show was um, Bristol in, I think, uh, 2004 or five, and it was almost a bit depressing because I, you, I go around and all these people are saying, oh, comics are dead. <laughs> you know, there's, no, there's no future in comics, don't bother. And... Uh, and then, you know, since then, you've had the Iron Man movie, uh, the whole Marvel multi uh, movie project. It's had this real kind of yeah. resurgence. And at the, same, really at the same time, um, you know, digital, uh, you know, image editing software has gotten better, more available. Accessible. Printers are better, more readily accessible. Like, you know, you can just put stuff out which you know, seems of a slightly higher quality, you know, and, um, and they're all the books that we like to read, you know, all, all these ones that think so, so big and have such ambitious, massive, overarching storylines, and, and we're like, well, what's stopping us from doing that? And particularly when we can make our books at least look as good as, as, as them, then, then our stories and our characters should follow suit as well. Mm. And we've been so inspired by the big guys, you know, that we're trying to do our own little version of that. <laughs> well, it's just as well that it wasn't Iron Man 1 or 3 that gave you inspiration, because presumably these no-one-like... Bruce Banner or uh, Nick Fury in your comics? <laughs> no, he no. Said spoiling the ending of <laughs> yeah. those movies. Let's go for the tree. Let's just, yeah, yeah let's go for it. I very much doubt that anyone in this room hasn't seen those. I hope for it. I hope so anyway. Too late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Now, now they have. <laughs> what is Orb about? Oh, Orb, Orb is um, an alternate history in which, uh, much like you have a boy and his dog adventures, Orb is about a girl and her giant floating stone warship from another dimension. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hence the orb. These giant, the orb ships. These weird, uh, like a what was it? A gyroscope. G- yeah, like a gyroscope. This weird floating thing. And so it's kind of inspired by very gritty sci-fi superhero comics, but also my love of um, Evangelion and manga and uh, giant mm. robot, giant things. things. Yeah, giant things. Yeah, so, <laughs> giant yeah. stupid things. But Nick, this is yeah, your- this is another title that will appear in um, in BPM. This is this is this one's solely mine. I wanted my own little nugget of BPM, but uh, it's called The Wall, and it's written and drawn by me, and it's a story about um, people whose job it is to defend a city from falling crystals that fall like rain. They sort of, they, it comes and goes, sometimes there's none at all, and then suddenly a storm will come, and multicoloured crystals will fall from the sky, and they'll do a huge amount of damage to the buildings if they, if they ever land, so catchers are employed who uh, leap acrobatically around rooftops in an attempt to protect the city and also collect the crystals, which end up being used in the technology and culture of the people who live in the city. But the story is about finding out what is going on, why is this happening, why have they just been happy to do this for you know, nearly 100 years, and they live in a walled city, which they never leave, and they never need to because the crystals provide them with the power to run and do anything they need to do. So what's beyond the wall? And anyone who ever goes beyond never comes back. So the, the story is about people who decide 
to risk it and go for it. It's it's the most Nick Angel thing you'll ever read. Like, it's, <laughs> it's very you know, it's it's pretty much like there's a there's a great uh, couple of pages in the Heavenly Chord where. Um, uh, Zach, the, he- the hero, is knocked off the edge of the world, and in the script I wrote like, "Oh, and then he gets back on." You know, like, <laughs> Nick said, "No, we need to we just expand stress this out." It so used to be a double-page spread. It turned like, into this ridiculous acrobatic gymnastic ridiculousness. Yeah. So that's, that's full of action. Yeah, it's, it's all action and color, basically. Yeah, which is my two staple things. Really. <laughs> yeah, and whereas my stories are full of pretension and uh, <laughs> uh, very obscure references. So yeah, it's, it's, me, in a, it's me in a nutshell, really. Um, and when we see what's beyond the wall, presumably it'll be a better twist than M Night Shyamalan. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Except that's for modern day. Sorry, spoilers again. No. <laughs> No, I've got, um, I, yeah, it's all planned. I've got very big ideas. It's cool. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, in terms of making an anthology, how much did you guys think about how there might be different art styles in the package, how there might be different types of stories and how they might complement each other? Well, it's, it's interesting, again, because we, again, a lot of it just happened, I don't want to say by accident, but mm. it wasn't a case of we looked at the big picture and think, okay, we need a sci-fi story, we need a, like a horror or something like yeah, that. No, it was just, we had these stories we wanted to bring to it. And when we started to appreciate how they might work together, how they might fit together, we realised, oh, like there is a kind of nice thematic structure here. Mm-hmm. Cuckoos is very much about discovery and exp- exploration, which is all about the new, what's what the new magazine's about anyways, discovering new worlds. And then you go from this, that bright, colourful wonder where anything could happen to this kind of strange, moody world of warp where bizarre... Oh, bleak. No way. Yeah, bleak, where these bizarre alien things are happening. And then we, we have like the crazy technicolor action of, of the wall and so they're all quite thematically different but there's a unifying theme uh, a unifying vision like a kind of yeah like, I think so I mean, the I, unifying theme is us ultimately isn't it yes yeah. that's exactly it's all it. our yeah, yeah. it all came from the same but within that we've kind of got the freedom to do anything but yes I mean just through our natural styles and our loves it's kind of it's unified under that mm. and without without spoiling anything because I'm terrible for spoilers there is a uh, there is something bigger going on here. We'd like to think that a reader who pays attention, who follows all the stories, would be rewarded for yeah, that. Absolutely, that's a really good way of putting it. We're yeah. building to something. Uh, Look, BPM verse. Well, exactly. Well, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's funny and, you should say I was going to pay you probably far, far too big a compliment. Uh, that in a sense, it's a way. It's like you're a bit like the Beatles. So that if you <laughs> have amazing. something, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm not ringing. So, so it's a bit like something like the White Album, where you'll have like a solo track by George Harrison, something like uh, Where My Guitar Gently Weeps, and it's very different to everything else on there, but it has still that kind of house yeah. style. As much as I'm loving the fact you just compared us to the I Beatles, know. Yeah. Um, you, are, you are right in that sense. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's all about the differences that make us all the same. That sounds absolutely ridiculous, and I've never trialled that line. Never going to say it again. Yeah, yeah. probably never will. But it, it is. The, the stories are fundamentally different, but they have something about them that unifies them all into one big shape. Uh, anyway, so the, um, the final title we haven't talked about yet is 99 Swords, with art by the incredible James Skate, Woo, who's James. Uh, in the third row there, and <laughs> trying, trying to uh, brush off my praise. <laughs> but, uh, 99 Swords, just because all this is weird sci-fi world, ni- uh, 99 Swords takes us to a fantasy world, or a world <laughs> not unlike uh, the tail end of the 18th century, undergoing an industrial revolution brought about not by science, but by the introduction of 99 magical swords. Mm. Years ago, a legendary swordsmith forged 99 
incredible blades of uh, great magic and power. Uh, but in his eyes, each was a failure, a kind of a mere stepping stone on the road to creating the ultimate blade. Now, legend holds that whoever gathers all 99 will gain access to ultimate power and the greatest prize. And we follow um, Elsie Blackwood, a young, uh, a young girl with, um, who's a bit lost in life, who ends up taking on the mantle of a novice sword hunter and going out in the world to try and, uh, try and collect them all. It's like Pokemon, but with po- pointed weaponry. And, so uh, so the, the genre is, I believe, gas lamp fantasy. Oh, very good. Lucy, as you have the roving microphone, <laughs> uh, would you like to say a little about your involvement in Big Punch? Please. <laughs> <laughs> you have a mic. Well, hello. Hello. I am the other quarter of Big Punch. Yeah, as John said, I'm basically doing all the grunt work. I do all the lettering <laughs> and the spell checking and uh, tell John not to use so many words. And co-write 99 Swords. I technically co-wrote 99 Swords, yes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good co-writer of 99 yeah. Swords. Um, which we pretty much, it's hilarious. When I, I have the list of swords at home, and you can track where we were on holiday from what we were writing, what, what the names of the swords are on that list. <laughs> yeah, we should like, put... When we're sitting in a, a lovely park and it's nice and quiet, we have loads of swords that are like, we need an axe sword and a whip sword. <laughs> and then when we're in a loud restaurant, it's like, we need the quiet sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should point out the swords go from quite conventional magic swords. You have a fire sword, the water sword. But when you have to come up with 99 of them, they get increasingly ridiculous towards the end. So we have the heavy sword, which can't be lifted. And uh, the big sword, which is actually about 200 foot across and stuck in the middle of a town somewhere. And the paper sword? The paper sword, which is a drawing of a sword. (laughs) Uh, The crystal sword, uh, the energy sword. There's the awesome sword, which just looks cool. It doesn't actually do anything. It just makes you look... There's the ghost sword, but you have to be dead to pick it up. The sparkle sword. The sparkle sword, and all it does does is make sparkles. Well, it's still better than a trick arrow that turns into a boxing glove. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we have the hand sword. The hand sword, which is a fist on... (laughs) And and again, if anyone wants to stop by the table, uh, I'm more than happy to show you some of the amazing sword designs which James has put together, because it's a bit of a daunting task to be asked to come up with 99 novel swords. (laughs) The sequel will be 99,000. It's a shame they've stopped making Lord of the Rings movies. You could have got a job with Weta. (laughs) Anyone in the audience have any questions? Yeah, I've got two questions, if it's okay. First, first one, um, is the magazine digital? Is it, or is it only paper? Oh, no, there are paper, uh, print and digital subscriptions. Okay. Uh, that was a small question. I've got a slightly big one. Uh-uh. Um, obviously, many of these books will, you know, oh, sorry, these stories will appear in the magazine. Do you foresee them becoming something bigger, getting their own books on your, on your tables? It's interesting things. you should say that. We, we, we talked extensively about whether by serialising these uh, stories that sort of by the end of a run of, of uh, a certain run of the magazine, we would then have enough to make lots of individual graphic novels. And we thought that would be quite exciting. You know, it would, it would almost be like we'd made all of these books in parallel and that would be quite cool. But then we had this other idea that it would be far more exciting if, because we would like to hint at potentially some stories affecting others it would then open you up into the realm of classic Marvel and DC type scenarios where you read something happening and there's an editor's note, oh, that happened in Amazing Spider-Man number 521. And you're like, I didn't read that, so thanks for that. Do you know what I mean? And you have to read so many different titles in order to get the whole story. And 
that's not what this is about. This is about being able to enjoy everything in one tidy little package. So we changed our minds a little bit on that front. We've got this new model now where at the end of every year, all four issues, because it's quarterly, will be collected into an annual, and every year will have its own Big Punch magazine annual. So if you come on board a Big Punch magazine in year three, you'll have to buy two annuals and then continue on from there. You don't, you don't have to. You have like, to. You have, the, to. You, you have choices. You have to. <laughs> what? Um, no, they're all going to subscribe from now. So that's, exactly. That's... We wanted to do... You know, a small punch. <laughs> it was only a small punch. Yeah, actually, I... But yeah, it was, it was very much all the stuff which the big publishers do powered at a, by an indie sensibility. So yeah. it's, a, it's like a multiverse in your pocket, pretty much. We want, you don't have to collect 15 titles to know what's going on. It's all in one place. And we'd hope that you know, they all you know, have, an, have an interest mm. for people. So, yeah. mm. So, I mean, you know, it, all of your plans are very ambitious and you seem to be pulling it off already by doing these, you know, beautiful-looking graphic novels. What if, uh, heaven forfend, uh, Marvel or DC came knocking and poached one of you guys? You know, what would the Yoko effect be? <laughs> <laughs> I think James Skate would be the Yoko effect, actually. The fifth, the fifth member creeping in. Well, to be fair, though, I don't think this would ever change because if there is... If there's, I don't know, maybe if you'd asked me, I don't know, 10 years ago when I was thinking I'd really like to make comics, there seemed to be only one path yeah. into comics, mm. and that was you get, get picked published. up. Yeah, you get picked up by a publisher, you go to work for Marvel, you know. But now, to be honest, the model is changing, and people have multiple, you know, multiple plates spinning, multiple fingers in multiple pies, and it's very much like. You know, you look at uh, Kieran Gillen or something mm. like that, and he's, you know, he's doing stories for Image, he's doing his own stuff, he's doing some stuff for Marvel. Mm. To be honest, we have other ventures outside of Big Punch. I mean, you're developing a comic with someone else, I'm developing a comic with someone else. The vision and goals and products of Big Punch will remain just that. Mm. But, you know, there'll be work outside. I, don't I have know. no intention, if, 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 if massive if, um, I was I was offered a job by by such a sort of publisher. I would I would never I would always make it work with this. Mm. That would always be my intention. You know, I've got so many things on, and I'm basically dead as it is now. Anyway, that I may as well just add another one. And then, <laughs> I don't I don't I I BPM means so much to me. And what we're doing with Big Punch is really really close to my heart. So there's nothing that can turn me away from that really. And I, I mean I've and I've I've seen you know people in the industry you know much more successful than any of us who. You know, they do other work, but they have their mm. passion projects, which they keep coming back to. Mm. And, and if I dare ask, are you making a living doing this? Or do you still have to... Not fully. No, we still have day jobs. Okay. Yeah. Um, but part of the, the idea of, of being able to come together and, and, and become much more of a legitimate company than just sort of self-employed comic sellers on the weekend kind of thing is partly for that vision, you know, mm. to make this everything we do. And, and we, we sat down a while ago. And it's comics are a very needy industry. Like, everyone wants to be noticed. We all dream of, like, a publisher fairy godmother coming down and you know handing you this amazing life on a plate and we realized you could spend your entire life waiting for that to happen i mean if nothing ever changed and if we only ever kept making big punch stuff we ask ourselves would we be happy with that mm. and, and we would i think we would any other questions oh we've got time for one 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 time for one question if anyone has one if there is There's such a, a fellow thing. at the back there with his hand up yep last question um, if Psych or Jack from your comics ever hit the big screen, who would you want to play them? Oh, oh, oh okay. I've been we asked. talked about. Yeah, it, haven't we? Well, it was. Didn't we talk about it before Amazing Spider-Man came out as well? Yeah. Because we we liked Andrew Garfield mm. before Spider-Man, and we were like, he could play Zach. I don't know if he's a bit old now. 
But he um, looks... sprays hair blue. He'd be, yeah, he'd be fine. Be fine yeah. yeah, and it looks like Sony will be kicking him out soon. So, so he'll be looking for a job. So yeah, he'll, be, he'll be looking for a job. I'll, yeah. I'll give him a bell and say, "Do you want to play Zach in the yeah. upcoming seven-string feature film?" Yeah, um, <laughs> I know. I've been asked about Jack, like dream casting, quite quite a bit. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a tough one, actually. It's a really it's a real tough one. I'm, Do I you imagine him as American accent English. It's 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 almost you know it's just this voice in my head. I can't mm. I can't even picture it. I'm a big fan of Sam Rockwell. Mm. Oh, he'd be really good. Yeah, I really good. like yeah, yeah. Sam Rockwell. But I've had a few people comment that they think he's a bit old. He's not quite. He's not quite. This is the problem. Yeah, yeah he's getting old. I think uh, I, I saw the movie Moon, and I thought he was fantastic mm. in that. And you look at him at Justin Hammer in Iron Man Two, and he's got that kind of swagger. Yeah. If he's just less, slightly less of an idiot, I think he could do. He could do Jack. So, on that bombshell, I'd like to thank the members of Big Punch Studios. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. For more information about Big Punch Studios creators Nick Angel, Lucy Brown, John Locke and Alice White, please go to BigPunchStudios.com and Big Punch creators can be found at various comic book events up and down the country. Issues of the first volume of Big Punch magazine are available now and hopefully if the publishers state their word, There'll be an annual by the end of the year collecting the first four issues. For more information about the True Believers comic book festival, which takes place in February in Cheltenham, please go to OKTrueBelievers.com. That's OKTrueBelievers.com. And I'd like to thank the festival and their accompanying podcast, The Nerds Who Haunted Themselves, which you can find hosted on their website and presented by festival organiser Stuart Mulrain for allowing me to do these interviews. Coming back to the present day, there are several comic book events taking place in London over the next few weeks. In the Cartoon Museum, they have a new exhibition about the art of James Gilray opening on the 4th of November, which runs until January. Then later in November, on the 11th from 6.30pm, Giles Brandreth will be hosting an evening looking at the work of Mac, renowned cartoonist who's worked in the Daily Mail for a number of years, and entry to this event costs £15, but comes with a copy of Mac's latest book. Then, on the 19th of November, there's the launch of a new graphic novel by Kate Evans, Red Rosa, which depicts Rosa Luxemburg's extraordinary life and work, and Kate will be at the Cartoon Museum from 6.30 to 8 on the 19th of November, where she'll be discussing the graphic novel alongside Guardian cartoonist Steve Bell. The Cartoon Museum is at 35 Little Russell Street, and you can find more information on their website, cartoonmuseum.org. Just down the road, at Gosh Comics, 1 Berwick Street in Soho, Edward Ross will be in store on the 7th of November from 7pm, signing his latest graphic novel, Filmish, Comic Book Essays on Film Theory. For more information about all GOSH events, please go to goshlondon.com. On the 10th of November, Zoom Rockman will be at Westminster Reference Library in conversation with Paul Gravett, talking about his career so far, as this sprightly 15-year-old already has 11 self-published comics under his belt, as well as a number of strips for The Beano and various other titles. Zoom and Paul will be discussing kids' comics in the library from 7 to 9pm on the 10th of November, and then an exhibition of his work will run until the 21st of the month. Westminster Reference Library can be found at 35 St Martin Street, London, 
WC2H7HP opposite the National Portrait Gallery. Just along the road from there, at Orbital Comics, 8 Great Newport Street, by Leicester Square Tube, they have an exhibition opening on November the 7th called Underneath, in which a variety of modern independent comic book artists will be exhibiting artwork based on some of the influences and inspirations on their work. Artists in the exhibition include John Allison, Hannah Berry, Julian Hanshaw, Warwick Johnson Cadwell, Mike Medallia, Philippa Rice, Jack Teague, Julia Scheel, and many more. There's an opening night event to celebrate the exhibition on Friday the 6th from 7pm with drinks and a chance to meet the artists. A few days later, on November the 12th, Noel Stevenson, creator of the renowned Lumberjanes comics, will be in town signing at Orbital Comics from 5.30pm and then from 7.30 on the 12th she'll be hosting a director's commentary looking at Lumberjanes Volume 2 in front of a ticketed audience. To pick up tickets for this free event and for information about everything else going on at Orbital, please go to orbitalcomics.com. Between the 12th and 14th of November, CineXS features a crossover with the University of Brighton's comic festival, Graphic Brighton, as 2000 AD auteur Pat Mills will be in discussion with film and pop culture historian Martin Barker, talking about Mill's infamous comic Action, which was all but banned in 1976 due to its infamous content. The pair will be also discussing 2000 AD with artist Jim McCarthy, who has recently returned to the comic to ink a new series of Bad Company. To buy tickets for Cine Excess, please go to tinyurl.com stroke excess tickets. Tickets for the entire academic conference cost £60, and for a screening pass, which includes the Pat Mills panel, it's £10 or £5 for students. There's this year's Thought Bubble Festival taking place in Leeds from the 9th to the 15th of November. From the 9th to the 13th, there are various comic book-related events taking place across the city, and then the main festival is on the 14th and 15th, with guests in attendance including Kate Beaton, Rick Remender, David Ayer, John Allison, Doug Braithwaite, Mark Buckingham, Ian Churchill, Al Davison, the Etherington Brothers, Duncan Fagrido, Isabella Greenberg, and many more. For more information about Thought Bubble, please go to thoughtbubblefestival.com. Panel Borders was recorded, edited, and introduced by Alex Fitch, and recorded live on location. You can find all previous episodes on our website, www.panelborders.wordpress.com, and we'll be back at the same time next month on the second Tuesday of November. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. This program has been brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you liked what you heard and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.